Do you struggle to find your voice in a noisy world? Do you feel your voice lacks confidence and energy to accurately communicate your thoughts, ideas, and passions? Do you wish there was an easy way to give your voice what it needs to captivate your audience every time? My name is Clay Collins, and like you, I struggled with these issues for years. But I found a blueprint that can help you change the way you think about your voice and therefore the way your voice comes across to others. Welcome to the My Voice Mentor Podcast. Have you ever wondered why children never lose their voice? Like, ever? When they're shouting, screeching, yelling, screaming, and they never lose their voice. Have you ever wondered this? I used to wonder this for years. We're not only going to answer that today, but we're going to figure out how to apply that principle to our voice today so that we never lose our voice again. This is an episode you don't want to miss, so buckle up. In the meantime, if you want to improve your voice, I encourage you to take my free five-day vocal boot camp. It's going to have five of the best principles, tips, tricks, exercises for you to start your voice on a path of improvement and transformation right now. All you've got to do is go to myvoicementor.com forward slash bootcamp to get started. And by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button and hit the bell notification and that will alert you of future episodes. I am constantly updating new content and episodes through YouTube. So if you like to both listen and see, then you definitely want to subscribe to the YouTube channel. All right, let's dive into today's topic. I had always wondered why kids don't seem to lose their voice. I had always assumed it's just because they're young and they have more youthful voices and bodies and they can do things that older people can't do. But I've actually learned that there is a specific reason why children never lose their voice. And if we can tap into that, we can actually learn a lot from the way children use their voice and vocalize. The truth is, children actually use their voice correctly, the right way. I don't know how this is, but somehow intuitively, children pick up the right way to use the voice at a very early age. And as a result, they don't have voice problems. They don't have voice problems. They start developing voice problems, believe it or not, right around the age of four to six. It's right around the time that they start developing habits that begin to start breaking down their voice. And we're going to talk about that today. So let's take a look at the way we kind of start out in the world. We start out as a baby, right out of the gate, right out of mama's belly. We are beginning to vocalize. It's the first thing. You get smacked on the rear and you start making sounds. <laughs> you know, that kind of, it's, it's real weak at first, but after about a day, that tiny little baby who's never done a sit-up, who doesn't even understand what a diaphragmatic approach to vocalizing is, begins to start making very loud noises that keep you up at night. Like piercing, tiny little frame, and if you watch a baby very closely, you see that abdomen moving in and out. This is something that we don't have to be taught how to do. We, it is intuitive. We learn at a very early stage of our development how to use the abdomen to make sound. In fact, it's the number one way we emote with our voice. So with a child, they're not 
cognitively putting the pieces together going, oh, if I want to make sound, I've got to apply pressure to my midsection and, and aim that sound in such a way. No, they're, they're actually fearful for them in their little world. It's a matter of life and death. If I don't communicate my feelings, I'm going to die because somebody will forget to feed me, which obviously hopefully isn't true, but they're not going to take that chance. Like, I need food now. And they're, and they're hollering and they're yelping and whining and pouting and all of this kind of stuff. And then as they get older, it takes on a different type of sound. It's more like, mom, I don't want to. I don't, I, I don't want to. And they, and they have that kind of approach. In fact, believe it or not, children don't know how to make a quiet sound. Think about this. It's not that children are trying to be obnoxious. They just don't know any other way to use their voice. They don't know how to be quiet. They learned that if I want to get mom and dad's attention, I got to vocalize like this. And so they get mom and dad's attention. They, they realize that that works. That mom and dad listen. Because with children, adults unintentionally tend to look and talk past them. And they learn and pick up on this very quickly. And like, mom, mom, dad, dad, I'm over here. <laughs> right? Then they go out and play with their friends. And they'll play with each other. And they don't know how to... They don't know how to use a quiet voice. It's what we call their outside voice. And so they start shouting and, and they do it all day long and they don't lose their voice. So what happens that causes them and then ultimately us as adults to begin losing our voice? I'm sure we've all possibly noticed changes in our voice. And possibly we've heard people maybe in their 50s, 60s, 70s and, and older where their voice begins to age and degrade over time. Does that have to be that way? Is there, is there a way that we can preserve our voice? Well, it turns out there is. And I'm going to start with identifying the problem that happens. Like I said, right around the age of four to six, parents have had about enough of the whining and the pouting and the shouting, especially indoors. And we begin to teach our children how to use their inside voice. Their inside voice. And because we're not voice teachers, the way that we communicate a quieter sound is to begin introducing breath to the voice. Like, use your inside voice. We even do it with a whisper. Use your inside voice. And we begin to whisper. We go into the library and we say, I want you to whisper. I want you to be quiet. quiet. And we begin to teach children how to quiet their voice through inserting breath into their voice. And believe it or not, this is one of the silent killers of the voice. The inside voice is the silent vocal killer. Is that surprising to you? It sure was surprising to me that whispering can actually cause more damage than shouting. Is that really true? Well, believe it or not, that is when we begin to start losing our voice. The moment we start changing our voice is the moment we start losing our voice. That's a very important principle that I want you to grab a hold of. The moment you start to change your voice is the point at which you begin to start losing your voice. So how do we combat this? Obviously, we can't just shout all the time. That's not good. Well, there is a way for us not to sacrifice our voice in order to make a quieter tone. 
And it's a process that I talk about in great length in my vocal courses about how to use vocal compression to preserve and maintain healthy habits in your voice. Basically, vocal compression is the vibration of the ligaments, the two edges of the voice that come together to make sound. Because we don't fully understand what takes place when our voice, sometimes we might perceive our voice to be more like a flute, something that needs a bunch of air to pass through in order to make sound. But the voice ultimately isn't a flute, it's a string, and strings need to vibrate, and our voice needs to vibrate. Our voice operates more like a balloon. If you blow up a balloon and just leave the hole open, it'll exit the air very quickly and you'll make a sound like and you get rid of your air very quickly. But if you begin to pinch the edges of that balloon, you're going to get more of a kind of a buzzy, squeaky kind of sound because the two edges of the mouth area of the balloon come together and the air passing through it causes them into what's called forced oscillation, where they're just slamming together again and again at a high rate, which our ears hear as pitch. Well, that is, is exactly what happens with our voice. And when we begin to learn how to control compression, we begin to optimize and use less air to produce more sound and operate in the way that they were designed to do. So how do we do this? How do we begin to reclaim and recapture our voice the way that children do? Well, the first thing that I would say is you have to find your shout again. You've got to find your pout again. You've got to find your whine again. When you were a child, whining was the most natural thing in the world. It's why all children do it. All children whine and pout. Nobody taught, nobody taught them how to do this. They just do it naturally. And I want you, if you're able, to pause this recording. I want you to try to whine and pout a little bit like what I'm doing. Not up here like that, but right, right down into your belly. I want you to like practice like a whining sound. Surely you've got some younger teenagers or children that still kind of pout a little bit. And you can just tap into that. You can pout a little bit. The first thing that you're going to notice when you do that is immediately you're pressing down on the belly. That's exactly what pouting is. Pouting and whining is diaphragmatic vocalizing. You see how we put these complicated terms to just really what's very simple? When, when I put my voice like together like this, I'm pressing down on the abdomen and I am bringing my vocal cords together. I couldn't do that and produce a breathy sound. It's impossible. I can't do But if I press here and I press here, not joking, but like that, if I pout a little bit, that is bringing the vocal cords together and pressing down on the belly. And this is what we call vocal compression. But I don't just have to do it making a loud sound or shouting, although that's a good place to start because that's a little easier for some of us. But we can also compress the voice and be quiet. Basically, all I'm doing is I'm maintaining compression and I'm getting quieter. And this is what we need to teach ourselves how to do. When we want to make an inside voice, we use our voice like this. And we get quiet like this. But as you can hear, you're not hearing a lot of breath in my voice. I'm not getting quieter like this. I'm getting quieter like this. I'm maintaining compression even while I get quieter. So if you were to analyze your voice, 
In fact, at some point, I want you to actually take out your voice recorder on your phone, record your voice and listen to it and ask yourself, does my voice sound compressed like the way my voice sounds right now? Or is it a little breathy? Is it, what, what, where are you in the spectrum? Are, is your voice overly breathy or is it a little bit over, over compressed? Maybe, some, maybe it's like a little too compressed. Like this is what an overly compressed voice would sound like. It's a little, little crackly. Well, somewhere in the middle, we want to kind of be kind of in the middle where we've got a normal amount of air passing through and a good, healthy amount of compression. Because when we use our voice this way, and we use it this way over time, guess what happens? The voice gets stronger, it gets higher in dynamic range and pitch range, and it gets actually younger as we get older. This is the number one thing that we can do to preserve our voice for a lifetime, is simply master the art of bringing our vocal cords together and compressing. That's it. And guess what? This applies not only to singers, but also public speakers. Do you get in front of people and present to them? Are you in business and you're constantly on Zoom calls? Are you constantly talking to people? Well, this actually will help you preserve your voice over the process of the multiple meetings that you have during the week. And also, it helps you when you're singing. This is a principle that basically is good for everyone. Everyone should learn how to compress their voice. I mean, think about it. Do you want your voice to age as you get older? Of course not. Nobody does. I can tell you right now, right now, unequivocally, that you can preserve your voice for a lifetime by just investing in this one skill, learning how to compress your voice. It might take some getting used to, but I promise when you get used to it, it actually is great. It makes speaking and singing effortless. Now, for some of you out there, you're hearing this and you're like, I know exactly what to go do. I am going to work on this and it makes sense. And if that's the case, awesome, go and do that. But for some of you, you might be thinking, I have no idea how to do that with my voice. I have no idea how to compress. I don't remember how to pout. I don't know what to do. If you need a little bit extra help, I wanna encourage you to take advantage of my free 30-day trial to my live coaching program. You can join My Voice Mentor for free for 30 days. In fact, the only way to get access to that is through this podcast. If you look at the show notes, you will see a link to a 30-day free trial, which means you get full access to all my voice courses, weekly live voice coaching calls with me where I work directly with you on a call to help you improve your voice. You can get access to that for free for 30 days. There is absolutely no excuse for you not to get started right now. So I encourage you to go to the show notes, go to the description in YouTube, go to the show notes on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, click on that link and take advantage of that today. Well, I hope today's episode was encouraging to you. You can absolutely keep your voice and never worry about losing it again. In the meantime, until next time, keep investing in your voice and I'll see you next time.